welcome to a special episode of the Bakari Sellers Podcast. This is a live episode, ladies and gentlemen, with my good friend Andrew Gillum from Real Talk with Andrew Gillum, a new podcast out found exclusively on Quake Media. And you know we had to bring the homegirl back, Angela Rye, from On One with Angela Rye. My comrades, my friends, my compatriots, my people who like to change the world with me and we don't think alike. We pride ourselves on that. Angela even bought us matching hoodies that you're all going to watch live on this episode. Shout out to our good friends at The Ringer for broadcasting this on their Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube pages. We're going to have a lot of fun talking about the debate. This is another live episode of the Bukhari Sellers podcast talking about what we just saw. And many people are like, this is slightly boring. This is not as interesting. This was actually a damn good debate. You know who won the debate tonight, though? The moderator. We'll talk about all those things. Uh, Donald Trump being the least racist person in the room while he's talking to a black woman. We'll talk about all of the answers they gave. We'll talk about Hunter Biden, his role in all of this. How you let people just talk about your kids. But Joe Biden was being so presidential. We'll talk about the fact that Donald Trump thinks that uh, windmills cause cancer. We'll also talk about the coronavirus. We'll go through all the details uh, with Angela and Andrew. And we're going to hash this out live right here. Make sure you tune in. Thank everybody for joining, downloading, and subscribing to the Bukhari Sellers Podcast. What's going on? And welcome to another episode of the Bukhari Sellers Podcast live. These are the best episodes we do with my very favorite people in the entire world. Let me introduce them. They need no introduction. But first, we have Angela Rye from On One with Angela Rye, who's here. Then we have Andrew Gillum from What's up, everybody? Real, Real Talk with Andrew Gillum, found exclusively on Quake Media. Angela yeah. Rye got us all dressed up. Boy, this is the hottest thing out, other than that uh, we, new Beyonce line in. in Adidas. This is this is this is that Tri- deal. Tripleting it. There we go. We feel. I feel good. I, I mean, I, we look. We look good. We feel good. I got a haircut. This line is fresh. I'm in my 24 hours of invincibility right now. My wig uh, is fresh. Well, okay. I got too I, for, I, got I forgot my spray on black for the top of my head. So I'm That's just okay. moving you look, the, you look a little bit like LeBron James, but it's okay. Hair set up. Like, <laughs> 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 hey, I got to get the headpiece though. I got to get the headpiece. I love it. So, so guys, we just came off another debate. You know what? I, I, I feel as if Joe Biden had his best debate performance probably since we've seen him with Paul Ryan. Tell me just your initial, before we dig in deep to, you know, Donald Trump being the least racist person in the room talking to a black woman, which was awkward in itself, or windmills causing cancer, or, and I, I I was going to say she won the debate, but Angela, starting with you, give me your initial thoughts. Yeah. Um, it's rough. You know, you guys are like the optimists and I'm just like, I'm looking for something like Barack Obama campaigning yesterday and I'm not going to get it. So I got to manage my expectations. I'm going to leave it there. Expectations need to be managed. You, you definitely have to manage your expectations. Andrew <laughs> Gillen, what you what you what you I mean, what you what did you see? Hey, B, I kind of come down where you came down, man. I think this was probably I don't remember the old vice presidential debate with Paul Ryan, but I remember watching this guy on the stage a couple of weeks ago. And I will tell you, there was a noticeable difference in the Joe Biden that showed up tonight. I thought he was much more clear much more concise, much more direct. And without getting in the gutter, he threw his own set of punches, you know, also known as, as you know, as, as quotables, uh, if you will. And I thought, 
the president, and I'm trying to be as unbiased as I can by saying this. You I thought he came out. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I just just trying to evaluate the skill set, right? I think he came out having taken a sedative, and I kept thinking, okay, I wonder how long this sort of calm mood is going to last. And then when this brother got into conspiracy theories and that kind of thing, it began to unravel. And so Joe Biden didn't have a really, really tall hurdle to climb. I think he needed to be presidential. And I think he showed up as the only presidential one in the room. I think he needed to avoid gaffes. And I think by and large, he did that. And I think he needed to speak directly to the American people. And I think there were a couple of occasions, which we may be able to get into, where he did speak directly to, I think, the American people. Let's talk about Kristen Welker before we get too far in the debate. Because yeah. I want to I want to talk about the job she did. Angela, the pressure going into this is nearly 30 years since the last black woman uh, moderated a debate like this. Talk about the pressure that she was facing going into this, dealing with these two large looming personalities. You only have a mute button. For those who don't know, you only have a mute <laughs> button for the first two minutes of their response. Then they can go at it. But she commanded respect. I mean, did we just need a black woman to moderate these debates to not have a train wreck? So just to be clear, we always need black women, not just to moderate debates, but to always save you the know country my, you got the You understand what I was trying to say. Itself. I just want to be really True. abundantly clear that I always think black women make things better. But I do want to shout out our friend Kristen Welker, because not only did she have to um, command the stage, but she had to do that after being disrespected by Donald Trump. Um, like yeah. so many other folks. So and not just disrespected on Twitter, but disrespected on the debate stage tonight where he's cutting in, talking about, excuse me, and saying some dumb shit nobody wants to hear. Right. I think that, <laughs> that in and of itself is commendable. And I, I, I think if I had a wish for Kristen, it would be um, despite what the Presidential Debate Commission said, that they don't have to fact check that she would have fact checked at least one of his 300,000 lies tonight. Like every time he opened his mouth to answer a question, it was not true. It was an exaggeration of the truth or it was just an outright lie. And the number of times he was able to bring up again, you guys, the 3.5 million, which was a debate tactic and a strategy that was effective, but it also was a flaming Pinocchio gasoline, you know, what do I want to say? Gasoline draws straight to hell lie. Okay. That's we call that a ball face lie. Ball all, face. All, of the, all of the describers before the lie, please. All of them. Go ahead. But but, Go ahead. but B, if I could just real quick on, on the point that you made, Angela, about her not uh, you know, the debate commission not allowing the moderators to fact check. I actually thought she had her own way of doing it and basically saying, We're gonna move on. Okay, I'm sorry, we're gonna move on. We're gonna yeah. and she was really really assertive about trying to get past what the BS was, the distraction to get them back on course. And I particularly loved the fact that in spite of the fact that Donald Trump could not spend two minutes, two seconds rather, talking directly to black people when he was directly asked to do that repeatedly by the moderator, she kept doubling back to the question, basically yeah. saying, we're not leaving these topics, gentlemen, until we get some satisfactory responses uh, from both candidates. And I just had to give it up for her, you know, overall period, for really holding the line, but she really set a standard for what debate moderation looks like, especially when you have a, a player up there who does not play by the rules. Well, I mean, you know, and another thing is, Kristen, does, she doesn't need, she, she's not an access journalist. And what we see a lot amongst individuals who are in our business, and although we would be, the three of us are extremely clear all the time that we're not journalists. I, I don't even, right. I don't, you know, they, they are very diligent in their profession. 
but she's not an access journalist. She is just out yeah. here to tell the truth, and she did that tonight. And I can tell you that Gwen Eiffel is extremely proud of Agreed. the job she did on that stage tonight. Hunter Biden, I thought Hunter was going to be the looming story going in. I don't even know what, like, look, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I follow this shit every day. I don't yeah. even know what the Hunter Biden scandal is supposed to be. It, like, I need a scandal that is my lawyer is in a hotel room with somebody he think is 15 years old laying oh. down on the bed. Talk about st- it. Stopping and frisking himself. Talk you know, that, okay. that's, that's, that's that. I need the scandal to be that I'm, clear. I'm going to stay away. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go yes. to Angela. Angela, Angela, <laughs> tell me, Angela, tell me about what Hunter, <laughs> tell me what the Hunter Biden, tell me what's going, what's going, what is this? I thought Hunter Biden was going to dominate tonight, but he didn't. And, and I think it was because, I mean, for me, I, if somebody talks about my kids, I'm going to walk across the street. I'm going to walk across stage. Somebody talks about my kids, right? I can't stand y'all. Okay. I'm okay. just saying. Listen, okay. Listen, how do you respond when somebody talk about your kids? That's what I want to know. This, this is my point. This is my whole point with Joe Biden. Like, you know, you never think that a critique of somebody is like, oh, you're too nice. Right. But that really is what it is. He, he believes um, because 47 years was, I think, effectively throwing it in his face again today, but he's been, he's been so long as a politician, as a diplomat who has foreign, uh, foreign services, foreign affairs um, experience, uh, even where he sat on the Senate committee, you know, he has all of this um, access to how you're supposed to carry yourself that he almost doesn't know how to debate. Right. And so today <laughs> he um, once again, his kids are thrown in his face. And this time, I don't know if y'all saw the expanded version of the attack, but the the version of the attack is no longer Hunter Biden. It is that you received a kickback as well. You received a part of the big. They call it what does he call the big guy? I think is what they call it. The big guy, right? And and I think that it was a tactic that was used even when the topic wasn't the Ukraine or Russia or Moscow's mayor or whatever. Like Joe Biden's experience as, as chair now meant he was getting all these kickbacks. Of course, none of that is true, but he, but he has not engaged in any meaningful way to refute that stuff. And it's frustrating to watch. It's like, call this dude a liar because the, the moderator's not going to do it. Well, I have to say, but, but Andrew, Andrew, I, Andrew, let me, let me, let me, yeah. let me ask you this question for those Please. people who are just paying, playing catch up. Cause some people are just tuning in to listen to us. I mean, they love you. Right. They love Angela. They don't, they don't we even know. Y'all. Can you, they love can you? you? Well, I mean, I am. We love you Listen, sometimes too. I just want y'all to know that me and Tyler Perry are the biggest sex symbols walking around right now. Apparently, <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm just, I'm just throwing that out. I'm just you throwing that. Read about Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible. Man, come on! Oh, what are, what are, oh man, y'all, listen, come on! I got the whole. I got when women pray back here. I'm gonna let you I ask said, your I question, said, host. Thank, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Somewhere so, I so, so Andrew, I want to know. Tell, to give us the framework on what you believe Donald Trump is trying to do, not just what the scandal may be, but kind of see through it. Talk about the political play he's trying to make, and then talk about Joe yeah. Biden's response to it. Well, I mean, I so I think, and I will not give. I think the jur- journalists over the past week have done a really good job of trying not to give lift to the conspiracy theories that the Trump campaign, Trump himself, his children are trying to seed with the American people, basically saying. Joe Biden is a crook. His son is a crook. His brothers are crooks. They're all crooks. And apparently, as a result of tonight's debate, 
the big poobah happens to be Joe Biden himself pulling all the strings. The problem with what he attempted to do tonight is it was so confusing, so convoluted. He was dropping names. I mean, Donald Trump got in his own head today. He started to believe his own conspiracies such to the point that he couldn't even deliver the blow. I got to tell you, if, if, if I were even a Trump supporter trying to, to follow what he was attempting to pin on Joe Biden tonight, um, it would, I would have been left in complete ruins about, all right, I'm sorry, what's the object? And then what is the actual action? <laughs> exactly. And then what happened as a result of, and then who carried the baton to, you know, to the next man? It was too convoluted to the point where I don't think it was successful at landing. And, and Angela, I do get your point that at some point there's this throwdown moment where it is, you keep your hands off my children, off my brothers, off of my wife, off of, you know, whatever that is, and then move it forward. Tonight, I think the vice president, and, and probably smartly, frankly, just decided to be like, uh, uh, I'm going to go ahead and pat that away. It has no legitimacy on this stage. And let me get back to talking about the fact that where I grew up, um, in Pennsylvania, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, we don't measure how well we are doing by the stock market, but whether or not we can pay the bills this month, whether or not we can put food on the table and a roof over our head. I thought that was a much more effective pivot rather than the whole going back and forth over something that, quite frankly, the American people don't even understand. Yeah, I thought that it's very difficult to understand what the Hunter Biden scandal is. I mean, that, that was my introductory part of this. And it, it's, a, it's a convoluted scheme that they're trying to put at the lap of Hunter. And I think that when you're building a character argument against Joe Biden, it falls flat. I mean, you're not running against somebody who's been beat up since 1988 like Hillary Clinton, right? You know, they, they literally were dragging Hillary Clinton through the mud. You had the two most yeah. unpopular people in the history of American politics running for office against each other. This doesn't work with Joe Biden. So my question is, does any of this matter even? I mean, before we get to the rest of the analysis, does any of this matter as we are 12, 11 days away from an election? It matters because what we're not acknowledging is that there are media outlets that are running these um, biased uh, no fact-based stories. That is, and we don't read the stuff, so we're not moved by it. Yeah. But it's problematic because he has a Twitter following that's a hundred times the size of Joe Biden's. Almost, he has um, this. You know, the media on, on the right, the right-wing media that continue to push out these conspiracy theories. Not to mention the Senate Committee on Intelligence acting like there's some legitimacy to some random whistleblower that may or may not be compromised, right? There are all these things. Mind you, y'all, the James Comey letter dropped on October 23rd before the election mm-hmm. last time. They trying Today's to remake the that today. They trying to remake that. They got a Wall Street well, I Journal. I understand, but, but my point B is that we will be, it would be ignorant of us to pretend like mm-hmm. it's of no consequence. This stuff actually matters and we have to be diligent at fighting back against That's it. And point. I'm saying there's yeah. no better person to fight for, fight back against it, than Joe Biden on that debate stage. It's unequivocally false. And he has to stop laughing. This is no laughing matter. We're in the middle of COVID. He raised such a strong point about how many people have died at the beginning of, of the debate, how many people have been impacted at the beginning of the day the, of the debate, the failed response of this administration, and then say, and he's such a failure that the only way he can beat me is to lie on me and my children. That is the blow. But does it matter? I think he does, said does, that does in his matter, own, Andrew. I, I, so, so uh, respectfully, I think 
tonight was probably not the night to go down the rabbit hole with Donald Trump. It was pretty clear that Donald Trump kept going down that rabbit hole because he couldn't fight on the turf where Biden was strongest. If Biden goes down a defense that quite frankly lasts any longer than 10 seconds about his son, Agreed. It is wasted time. And then it gives, I think, breath to it. If, if the truth is to your question directly, Bakari, do I think it matters tonight? I think the only thing that matters at this point is turnout is what we do between I now and election day and on election day to get people out. What we needed, though, was was him not to falter tonight. Go ahead. But when you have someone who's run a strategy to suppress turnout by literally marking black people deterrent, if they can cause, if they can bloody and muddy the waters enough with Joe Biden looking like he's a crook because of how they're they're punching at him, I think that's a problem. And even if it takes him three seconds to say it's unequivocally false, you need to stop repeating this. Can you find an honest bone in your body? I'll just say we did polling on on corruption and politicians and almost universally people, voters believe that politicians who are corrupt. So on that ground by itself, it actually isn't a compelling enough theme to get people to vote left or right. Beyond that, I also just don't think that it is a strong enough narrative that it sticks to Uncle Joe. And this is where I think this that's is where the, I think that's the difference. But I also think that Angela brings up a good point because we forget. I always tell people that the fundamentals in this race are different than 2016. I truly believe that you had Jill Stein. You had a place for left leaning disenchanted voters to go. You had Comey. And I I think that we don't value the Comey letter enough. And I think Angela's right, right to that point, because Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton was walking, I mean, picking out drapes. And she was on a plane with no Wi-Fi. You know how awful it got to be to have no Wi-Fi and then you land and get this news? You sitting there for two hours. You know your anxiety. You know your anxiety, Bill, because you you be pulling on the the stewardess on the plane like, look, what's the password? And she like, the Wi-Fi don't work on this plane and you know your anxiety level rise. I think we know what your pet peeve is, Bakari. It is absence of internet, Wi-Fi, you know, access. I get it. Mission critical, but it also is. I mean, don't be, ju- don't be, don't be out here judging. I'm me. not judging. I'm with you. I'm on the committee. <laughs> but, I'm on the committee. But I agree with you. So, uh, but I, I, do you think that the Biden campaign has misjudged? I don't think they have. But do you think they have misjudged the fact that the coronavirus would be the largest looming issue in this campaign, and not just looming issue, but issue one, two, and three? Because it, it, it's quite evident that the campaign and Joe Biden, even tonight, you know, when you're debating, Andrew, you went through this. I know Sam and your team and Angela, when you were in debate prep, gave yep. you a, a center. Like when you get hit, because you're going to get hit in the debate. My team did that too. You got to find a center. When Kamala was getting rocked by them body blows by Tulsi, one of the things Kamala didn't have was a center to go back to. Yeah. That's why she turned yeah. into a glitch saying that, yeah. I, you know, what what, I, what was the phrase? Um I'm proud of my record. I'm proud of my record. I'm proud of my record. Yeah. She didn't have a home. You find out that Joe Biden's home is on coronavirus, and it's a good place to be. Are they betting right or wrong on this being voters in their mind when they go into the ballot box, issue one, two, and three? Andrew. Uh, yeah, I, so— That was I a think damn good question. I, I need to host the show on, on Prime Time. I, that was a good question. <laughs> it is a good question, <laughs> and, I'll, and I will be very simple in my response. I think they have judged correctly as it relates to this coronavirus. And I got to tell you, I actually think this was a place— where Joe Biden was particularly strong tonight. Um, 
the vice, the president was very bumbling through how it was that he avoided uh, um, 200,000 or a million more people having not succumb. I mean, he went so far as to say, and correct me if I get the words wrong, but he basically said, Americans are learning to live with this virus. Correct. And Joe Biden responded in a very strong retort and said, Americans are, are learning to die from this virus. I thought that was so, I thought it was appropriate. I thought it was good, but I also thought it really broke through when he reemphasized tonight, 220 thousand American lives are lost, a crisis that could have been averted had you acted on what you knew back in January of this year. I thought he was strong on it. I thought he made the point to why it connects. And I got to tell you, in a state like the one that I come from, where where older people tend to be a a well-represented constituency at the ballot box, Trump basically dismissing old people, basically saying young people will survive. I mean, this whole, um, you know, this idea of survival of the fittest uh, is basically what he's arguing. And I tell you, I I don't think that sits well with older voters when you say you can treat me with, 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 with such disregard because I'm older and I'm more susceptible to dying from, 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 from this virus. I think in a state like Florida and probably in in a couple of other states where seniors are going to be well represented um this issue is issue one two and three the only thing that i have to say about this covid response is there's not enough time spent on the number of people who died to andrew's point he nailed him only when he brought up the number of deaths and the failed response that's almost the pivot every time he's bringing up numbers oh i didn't realize you could count given the number of people who have died in this country and you still haven't responded. Oh, you want to talk about numbers? Like, you know, like you have to almost come back to that every time. Oh, yeah. let, let's just not talk about the people who died and the young people, you must not realize, and they should probably pull how many young people have died from this. It's also just not true. And so I think yeah. again, Joe Biden has, he can't fact check him on every single thing because he'll be cutting him off every answer. But there were a number of times where he should have fact-checked him. He, again, could have hit him harder on Russia. He did kind of swing back on Russia today. Hey, that, was your biggest, that was your biggest thing last time. It was and my we, biggest I was gonna, thing. But the, let, me, let me roll Russian this into— Russian bounties, relationship with Putin. But he didn't bring up the fact that he is bought and sold. Like, I don't even know whose president you are because you're so inherently conflicted, right? Like, there were so many ways to— Anyway, yes, COVID, yes. But I also feel like he needs to his counterpunch needs to be stronger. Let's roll into one of the questions that you bring up often, Angela. And you've been you have been somebody who has been talking about election security since before it was cool. Like you are always blowing the horn on election security. Andrew, you were the victim of not having election security in many better of security. your security. Yeah, better security in many of your of your ballot boxes. Talk about those responses to the questions of Iran and Russia. I mean, think about that. We've had we've literally had hacks that have taken place. Now they okay. haven't. They've they've gone in and they've they've accessed our voter rolls. We know that, uh, but but the answers today and I I was just it's amazing to me that United States congressmen like the ones we have in South Carolina Tom Rice Ralph Norman Joe Wilson Jeff Duncan, let alone not having a plan on health care. We know they ain't got no plan on that. 
But they mm-hmm. sit yeah. back and they are okay with the president of the United States having a bank account in China. They're okay with him paying more taxes in China than he pays in the United States. And they are allowed free reign in our election security system. Talk to me about well, that, Angela. Just, here's the thing to me. Like, when you have the opportunity to land a blow, and I do want to give Joe Biden credit on one more thing. When um, pandemic response was brought up and he started to pound on him on the HEROES Act, I did like this informal focus group yesterday. And this gentleman talked about how he really wanted to see Joe Biden and Kamala just stand up for them. He knows they're not in office, but to stand up for them because landlords need relief, because renters need relief and small business owners need need relief. So I want to say kudos on that. Back to uh, election interference. When you start thinking about the fact that Joe Biden stood on that stage, not as the president, but said, they're going to know that they will pay a price if they interfere in our our elections. It was a strong rebuke for what mm-hmm. Donald Trump should have been saying. It was very clear. I felt like it was one of the best answers I heard from Joe Biden tonight. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is still in denial about that interference. Meanwhile, he still hasn't even acknowledged, right, that Russia interfered in the ways in which it did in 2016. It is a huge problem. And he is out here talking about voter fraud and all the the illegitimate ways of our election processes, but he's not even telling Mitch McConnell to pass election security, which was passed months ago in the House. Instead of trying to force this Supreme Court nomination down our throats, those are the kinds of things they should be doing, being far more responsible with COVID relief and with election security. It's the 11th hour, but it's not too late to tell the American people that you value the, 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 um, sanctity. You value democracy. Yes, the sanctity of the, our democracy and value being able to cast the ballot without any concern that it would be compromised in some way. I agree. Yeah. No, no, no. I, I, the, the, only th- the only thing I would raise is that it's a little bit of a catch-22. So I think we ought to be, from, the, from an activist, from an organizer's perspective, from an election protection perspective, we're now in that closing window of the election. And that means we got to have boots on the ground and a real strategy for how it is that we're going to deal with the legal predicament that I have no doubt is going to be presented to us on November 3rd and in the ensuing days, which I hope will be brought to a speedy conclusion. That That being said, the reason it's a catch-22 is that many of us, particularly many black and brown voters, already are convinced that their votes either won't be counted, they will be compromised, that this, you know, it'll be stolen. And Joe Biden very much so is going to be relying on that very same group of voters to help put him over. And so part of it is, is like, um, how do you ring the alarm in such a way that you raise people's suspicions, but at the same time, you assure them that believing in the process enough to actually show up and vote is still very, very critical and very, very important. And we will have what is going to be necessary, the mechanism, mechanisms that will be necessary to ensure that that vote that you went and stood in line, however long you stood, will be actually counted uh, and can be decisive in the outcome of the election. And so he's got to play it both ways. You, you got to raise the alarm, but you can't be alarmist. But decisive is the point. Decisive is the point. When people show up in large numbers, it's a decisive victory and it makes it that much more difficult, right? That's the whole point. So wherever there's a little bit of room, that's where we are susceptible to whatever it is they're doing. I don't want to be alarmist either, but it is very alarming that they've already hacked into these systems. 
No, it's our job to yeah. that we that, man, that, that's, mean, that's what we do exist for. Yeah, we got to <laughs> ring the alarm. I mean, that's we, Mitch McConnell's job. And Mitch McConnell ain't done nothing about it. I mean, well, I, I, I now his job is to solve the problem. To pass well, his job, these damn bills. Two zero two 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 four three one two one. Call Mitch. His, his job, his job almost done. But I, I mean, I don't know if y'all expect a whole. Try. I don't know if y'all expect a whole lot more out of Chuck Schumer, but I digress. So, Listen, uh, uh, can he at least sue to stop this heifer from going to going to the Supreme Court? Can he just sue? Can he have some kind of fight? No, I, I don't know. He cool. He getting ready. He getting ready for uh, Halloween. Chuck Schumer trying to figure out what he gonna be yeah. <laughs> on Halloween. They done gave that fight up. You know, my dad would always say something. Y'all, y- y- y'all, daddies and, and moms probably said grandparents probably said something similar. My dad would always say. That sometimes when you see that light at the end of the tunnel, it's not light. It's a train coming. And I think Chuck realizes that that train coming is ACB. Ain't nothing they can do about it. But he ain't going to fight. He's They over that part. Yo, I would well, you know what? I have to believe if, if we want to give them some strategic credit, first of all, it's, it's, it's more than unfortunate, the hostage taking that Mitch McConnell is doing sure. on our democracy. First of this all, AC, ACB should not even be on... In the seat she is currently, wait, 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 she, wait, without a doubt, yeah, she without is in a, a doubt, she is in a seat of somebody that Barack Obama nominated that did not even get a vote because yes. of Mitch McConnell. Yeah, I agree. The only point I was going to make, which I hope is the strategic one that they are thinking about right now within the DSCC and elsewhere, is how it is that we pick up enough seats that we flip the majority. And the only thing I will forecast beyond having made that comment, because I think all three of us are going to be back talking about this at some point, is if the Democrats win the House and the Senate and the presidency, just based off tonight, some of the maneuvering that was done, I, I wasn't a big fan of I beat all those people and what they believe, which is why I'm here debating like you, Mr. Either. President. I was not a big fan of the healthcare sort of pivot. And I think what is going to await us on the other side is a real reckoning amongst where we are as a party and where the political policy positions will go under a democratic trifecta. And I have to tell you, if I were, if I were a betting man today, this will not be a smooth road. This is going to be a oh. winding oh, upside no. down I, I, bloodbath yeah. uh, uh, for all of us. And I think it's going to start in a transition period. And I think that the first 100 days are so critical because there's so much that needs to be done. You know, I, yeah. I personally think num- the number one thing you need to do, and nobody, no, I, nobody's going to really agree with me because there's so many other things, is I think you need to have Justice Breyer over to the White House to have a good dinner. And you need to tell <laughs> Justice Breyer, I appreciate your service. You need oh, to Lord. resign. Separation of powers. I hear you, but you need to <laughs> resign. I mean, that's what, I mean, to be completely honest, I thought that Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have resigned under Barack Don't Obama. Do that. She did now, Bakari Hill. I know, but I'm just, I, okay, anyway, I can't talk is, about the this, politics. Let me tell you what my meeting would be. We about to expand this court. He ain't doing that. We have, oh, sh- let me tell you, he about to expand this court. He's not going to do that. He's he about will, to expand this court. He's going to give you a blue ribbon commission. You know what, you know what, you know what Andrew does to his twins? When they want a toy, he gives them a blue ribbon commission, bipartisan, <laughs> mom and dad. I and wish. you know what happens? It dies. Let me dies. tell you, me tell you how if this man doesn't get in here and fight like these um, Senate uh, Democratic leadership ain't fighting, we're going to have a real problem. There are a lot so, of people banking on that. And that's the, like, he, 
Anyway, there are a lot of people that are on the ropes from him, again, bringing up this fracking stuff that's pointless, bringing up, again, what Andrew just said about this Biden care plan. There are people who are on the ropes and not sure, and they just have to sound like they're willing to fight for our values. It's not even packing a court. It is about ensuring that people have an opportunity to sit on the bench who did not have the opportunity because Mitch McConnell was obstructionist. That is not about packing. That is about fairness. And that's and restoring balance. Yeah, I think, I, but let me just be extremely clear. I think we have to expand the federal judiciary. I think we need to add 80 to 100 seats to the federal bench. But we haven't done that since Jimmy Carter. So that's Can one. we just get our judges through? And, 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 and I do want to go. So you want elim- to eliminate, you eliminate a- the filibuster? No, what I'm saying is, is how in the hell were they able to hold hostage federal judge appointee after federal? And this isn't even dealing with the Supreme Court seat that was stolen. I'm talking about the fact that the federal judiciary is stacked right now under Trump's administration with the complicity of of the Republicans in the United States Senate with young, many inexperienced ideologues who haven't even tried cases themselves before judges and juries. And they're right now sitting at the highest courts in the pipeline to the Supreme Court where they will have 40 years of growing capacity before they'll ever even reach that bench. Our bench doesn't look that deep because we were not willing to go to the hill. We were not willing to die on the hill of the federal judiciary. And that's not saying a darn thing about the stolen seat at the Supreme Court level. I, I just want you, some balance restored to the federal judiciary. We do not talk about the judiciary like it matters. I we agree. don't. As a party, we just act like it's like it don't matter to us. Like I want it. I asked. I asked so many candidates throughout this process. I'm not going to call their names out, but I asked so many candidates, not one, not two. I asked multiple candidates to put together a list. Name names. Name some names. I mean, I asked. It don't matter because Joe Biden beat all of them, right? Yeah, well, no, it true. matters. I want to hear it. So, no, I asked Kamala. I asked Joe Biden. I asked. I, I even I even told Pete. I told everyone who would listen to me that one of the things you should do is put out a list of judges or yeah. justices. Hmm. Put 10 people out or 20 people out that you think would go well on the Supreme Court? Because you know at them 10, you can only choose one. The rest of them are going to go on the federal bench or the Court of Appeals or something. But put it out so we can see that and get energized. Because no matter what you do legislatively, the end stop, the end game, as we're learning now with these voting rights, the end game happens in a court of law. I mean, the, the courts right now look reminiscent of Plessy v. Ferguson. Which that's brings my, that's listen. But I, that was a seg, that was a you just cut off my segue. That was a segue. I was segueing. You know, I, I learned that from I learned that from Chris Cuomo. You got it, and Don, you got a segue. So the courts, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back high pitch real quick. The courts look like back when they did Plessy v. Ferguson, and then you segue into it. You got to lower your tone. You taking like, too long for this but damn I'm just, segue. You just said segue eight times and still ain't. I'm just showing yet. you that I know I know how TV works. So anyway. But now we yeah, go into we go into the portion which I believe Kristen won out of both candidates, which was the issue of race. And you had Donald Trump with a black woman in the audience. Angela got issues with the answer. I thought Joe Biden's response at the beginning, his two minute response, was very very good. And the reason I thought his response mm-hmm. was so good is because he talked about criminal justice reform, and he talked about economic opportunity. For a long time, white folk, 
progressives and Republicans on both sides criminal justice. On, only look at black policy issues through the lens of criminal justice. Totally and, true. And it only took us, it only took us about 20 years to get to this point. But now the leader of our party, Joe Biden, is actually talking about access to wealth as being a pressing issue. And I thought his answer was good. I thought that there was a lot of bobbing and weaving inside. I thought that that Donald Trump stuck to his talking points about I don't free to feed the least racist person. I'm least racist. <laughs> Abraham H- Lincoln. HBCU presidents love me. They love me. I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? So I, I thought that that was just kind of caught in the, all the, but Angela, tell me what you thought about that back and forth that they were going through. That Joe Biden needs to apologize for the crime bill so we can move the but hell Dubba, on. Can I, can I just say something? And Angela's going to be mad at me for saying this. And she's going to text me and be like, you got to stop doing it. I just am trying to figure out what your segue is doing in the middle of my thought. That's all I'm trying to figure out. Because I want you to know that more people got to apologize than just Joe Biden. Because just Joe Biden wasn't responsible for the 94 crime bill. There were I a can't lot of- wait for you to tell me about the CBC when two-thirds of oh, the Lord. membership is oh, no Lord. longer even in Congress now. I can't right. wait for you to I can't wait for you to tell me about that. But well, I, but I was I, just going to say that there were a good bit of of civil rights organizations and pastors and black folks, including CBC. Name them. Name I mean, them. I, we can go because a lot a lot of them, Bakari, if we're fair, have. And I don't really just want him to. If he doesn't say I'm sorry, I'm good with that. I just but I want, want you. To, I want him yeah, to apologize. I just want him to say more than anything. This was not the best move. Several unintended consequences. Here are the things I'm going to do on day one or through from day one through day 30 to fix it. It's going to come up every time they bring up race and he can't win. I don't believe that he wants to harm black people. I do believe that the crime bill did harm disproportionately way too many black people. And it's not just the crime bill. There was one passed in 82, 84, 86, 86. and 88. All, like several with Strom Thurmond. So and and all of the things that were done with Ronald Reagan, like it's not a uh, a partisan issue. It was a bipartisan approach to crime. And both parties are to blame. Most importantly, white bigots are to blame because they pushed off uh, theories about black people being super predators, violent. All of that is problematic. My main issue is this. You can continue to try to duck this. It is the elephant in the room. It's not going anywhere. People are voting. The election ends on November 3rd. Please hear us because we've been saying it for months. It's time to rectify this. We are not trying to get you to look soft. We're trying to make it look like you are human. He Maybe he needs to talk to some kids whose parents were incarcerated, some young people because they're probably grown now, whose parents were incarcerated so he can understand. It's the same thing with... Um, the Obama piece and the cages. Joe Biden didn't have an effective response to that. And there's a simple one. Under uh, the Obama administration with Jay Johnston, they had kids who were unaccompanied in those facilities for 72 hours. They weren't in there for months. It wasn't 570 kids without parents. You know, and and so it's like, we didn't intend for this. All here by coyotes. That's right. It's just like, you have to understand that some of these things are inhumane and acknowledge that. That's it. People are looking to be seen and heard so they feel okay with voting for you. So, Angela, I I don't I I agree with you one thousand percent. But I think in in all truth, this is the window where we are. 
I don't think that there is going to be much that can be communicated from either one of these candidates or their campaigns that is going to shift the outcome of this election um, in, a, in a consequential enough way that it determines the, uh, d- determines the turnout, uh, d- determines the outcome. What, what I do believe, though, is that we have to have a reckoning because the truth is that it wasn't just Joe Biden. Sure. Those of us who are students of political science, which I know the three of us are, know that there was a going, working, operational theory, if you were ever going to get elected to dog catcher, that this was the status quo position that must be held on crime and justice in our society, period, bar none. Kamala ran up against this. Joe is continuing to bump up against this. And, and I, would, I, I would argue if you went to any black prosecutor who existed in America at that time, and certainly any politician to include all those members of the C- CBC who signed on repeatedly to those crime uh, uh, bills, yeah. they would tell you that in the moment in which they were being measured, that this was the absolute status, exceptional status quo of the time. That doesn't make it right, no, but it I do doesn't. think that that part of the reckoning, though, is us acknowledging that while I in today's day and time we are more. But you not know what? Just you, you know what? You know what but I I'm didn't. You know what I didn't also, hear from. Let me. What I didn't hear from. What I didn't hear from either one of them tonight on this issue of criminal justice reform is a look forward, and in debates. That's my point. <laughs> That's my whole point. Like, can he just uh, say, was, "This is what I'm going to do. Well, this mean, is what I'm going yeah, to do." That's what. That so I. I so actually, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, Angela, because I think in debates, you not only have to atone for your record. And we've been we've been talking to and Joe Biden recently has apologized. He's he actually did it in an interview. I can't remember which one it was. I thought it was very thoughtful, his apology for the 94 crime bill. But it's it's simple, like apologize, pivot and move forward and talk about what you're going to do to unravel the mess that we've caused. And I, I just think that. For the life of me, I can't understand why many times we get caught up in these old dogmas of the past. They handicap us. We're not allowed to be visionary and move forward and reimagine. And I think that that is, that is what Joe Biden is running up against. I mean, hell, that's what Donald Trump is. That's what happens when you have, what is it, 76 and 78 years old, I think. That's what happens when you have this generation. It's very hard to reimagine what this country should look like. And so with that, Andrew, Angela, we saw another debate tonight. I don't think the needle moves a lot. I, I'm getting a bunch of text messages. Oh. I'm getting a bunch of text messages from my friends. And uh, shout out to Lawrence Bender, great uh, producer extraordinaire. A lot of my friends, uh, particularly my flaming liberal friends, you know, we're proverbial bedwetters. Everybody's so anxious. They just said, oh, my God, after watching the debate tonight, Donald Trump has closed the gap. You know, he's going he's gonna to win. Wait, who? I, so I don't know. So I, okay. I think I think that my question to you is what what happens over the next twelve days? Like what what do we think happens over the next twelve days? Because I don't know if I will see you in this setting. I, I talk to y'all every day, but I don't know if we'll be in this setting again before the election. Talk about the next twelve days, and then talk about who wins this election. What what happens? People are anxious, worried, concerned. I'm worried and concerned. Um, Again, going back to this focus group the other day, um, I asked people what they thought would happen if Joe Biden won and what they thought would happen if Donald Trump won. And um, the answers about the violence they believe that would ensue 
if Joe Biden won is astonishing. Um, the answers, if they think that Donald Trump stole the election, the violence that would would ensue is astonishing. And I think what bothers me, you guys, is I believe in truth to a fault, probably. I, that's what I'm the scared of. I'm the most afraid of. That is what I'm the most afraid of. I, I cannot think of a time in this country where I've been more fearful. Yes, I want Joe Biden to do the right thing, but I am not at all confused about who I'm voting for. My ballot is sent in. You can see who I voted for. I'm very clear-eyed about it. Um, more for Kamala than for Joe Biden, but I believe that if she's there, um, that she'll get him to pivot and to really do the right thing. I believe deep down he knows what the right thing is to do. And so I'm asking him not to just be focused, as Andrew was just talking about, on what to do to win the election, but what to do that's right, because we've spent the last four years with someone who doesn't have a moral fiber in his body that doesn't care about doing the right thing. So can you do the right thing because it's the right thing? Not making a calculation on who or who will not turn out if you do this thing, but just because it's the right thing to do. That's the kind of thing that our young people, our elders and everybody in between needs to see. I think we've seen him do that a lot, especially during the Obama administration. He stood up and did the right thing as it related to fighting cancer and finding a cure, as it related to standing behind, um, you know, uh, uh, Barack Obama that everybody makes fun of when he said it's a big fucking deal, right, about health care. Remember those moments and make sure that we have more opportunities to do big things. Some BFDs in your administration, but you can't get there if people don't believe in you. That's the reality. You know what? I I think. Shut up, B. It's not a segue. I'm at a comma. Oh, I thought you were at a a semicolon. My bad. No, it doesn't matter. Either way, it wasn't time for a segue. But the point is very simple. You guys, there's never been a clear example of what's right or wrong. This is not a partisan conversation we're having. This is about, yes, once again, putting a democracy on our backs that's literally beat ours. And I know that's a frustrating position to be in in and of itself. But it's time for us to do this because this is what the ancestors require. And this is what future generations need. This is what we need. I'm having a hard time sleeping at night. So even if you're torn, I'm asking you selfishly to do it for me, too. You're here. Can I, can I, can I speak? It's your show, bro. All right. It's never my show with Angela on. This is the Your Bakari show. Sellers and Angela Rye podcast whenever she's on. I want you to know that. Stop interrupting me. I had to explain Side how to No, but I just, I, you, know what's cra- you know what's crazy? I think that Angela's so right. And I think that that is the message for the first 100 days. That's the message that we have to push uh, Democrats on. We have to, We need more BFDs. Like, why can't we have, why can't we go out and have more Obamacare's in different sectors? Why can't we... You know, my partner in crime, Jerry Loto, he always talks about um, he always talks about what the stimulus should look like. And, you know, they talking about they talking about one point eight eight trillion to two point two. Why not three to four trillion so we can rebuild our bridges and roads and put people back to work? I mean, why can't we just actually dream and reimagine what we should? So, you know, Andrew, my my question to you and as we begin to wrap up, because it's crazy how. Um, how much fun we're having. And we, we this has almost been an hour already. But my, my wow. question to you is, particularly to black men, because we've been showing our ass lately. Goodness gracious, black men been showing our ass lately. I mean, we can't yeah. even get right. So I know that it's not, sometimes these stats are blown out of proportion, right? And 
you know, black men are still the second largest voting bloc for the Democratic Party behind black women. But when you see Ice Cube, when you see, you know, all of these voices, uh, Waka Flocka, when you see these individuals come out and make these statements, you know, as a black yeah. man yourself, uh, married to an amazing, amazing black woman, raising black children. Um, tell me what you, what, what's your message? What, what do you do to yeah. push back? And as heartfelt as Angela was, I, I just kind of want to go out and do more so Angela can get some rest. You know what I'm saying? Because that's my, that's what I want to do. So tell me, tell me what, what, what do you yeah. tell us? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I mean, I, that's a, uh, that's a big one for me, Bakari. And I think we probably all need to take our respective swipes at it, but I'll, I'll just say this. So first of all, I don't measure the state of where black men are based off of people who may be otherwise self-interested either for how much they're going to pay in taxes or what rooms they got invited into and what conversations they got to be a part of to further build and establish their empires. But I am concerned about some of the conversations that I've run into in the barbershop and on the street amongst black men who quite frankly, and I don't think it's a partisan thing as much as it is, I was in hell before the election and I don't have any hope that I'm going to be in hell after the election, regardless of what the outcome is. That there's been a fundamental breakdown in the belief of whether or not this system is ever going to work for us. And the truth is, is that it's designed to work for who it works for. And this idea around either big effing ideas or imagining and reimagining, we are calling for, I mean, that's revolutionary language, y'all. We haven't used the R word, but that's revolutionary language and it requires revolutionary leadership and revolutionary thinking. And part of that revolutionary thinking has got to be beyond election day. So all of us get real hype trying to tell people it's your vote. It's for the answers. We got to do this. We got to show up. We got to vote. Get this guy out of office. And what I'm getting back as a pretty regular retort is I voted before and ain't shit changed. I voted in the last time and ain't nothing changed on my block, in my neighborhood, in my household, under my roof, at my dinner table. And so how do we stop trying to sell these people a dream that election day in and of itself is the change? It is not. That yes. is the front door of democracy. Bam. That's just the entryway. But you got to go through that thing, man. And when you get through it, and, and, and let's be practical about what it means to get through it. Being practical, practical about what it means to get through it means you show up at your city council meetings. Maybe you run for a position in your local government because I guarantee you, your mayor, your local prosecutor, your local judge has much more bearing on your everyday life and your livelihood than who sits up in the White House. That's not to discourage anybody from voting for president. I believe in the presidency. We ought to vote for that office, but vote the whole goddamn ballot because those lower positions that you think are insignificant are the ones that are locking you your brothers, your sons, your cousins and them, the people who are voting on local ordinances around minimum wage, those are your city council member, your older member, your barristers. Those are, those, those are the positions that are impacting us on an everyday basis. And we have to stop selling people a dream that you vote and then things change. That is not what happens. You vote, then you show up and you show up again and you demand. And then you act out when you don't get what it is that you want. And then you demand again and you reward every now and again when people show up and do the job that you elected them to do. But you don't go home and sit on the couch and be like, I did my job. We sent Obama. That's not it. 
And, and, and if you ain't figured out that ain't it four years now after his presidency, I'm not sure when it's going to hit you. So I don't, I don't think, I, I think we have to do more truth telling, less dream selling and more truth telling to our brothers specifically. They're not dumb. They may not be able to, to hook line verse sinker, you know, this and that piece of legislation, but they live it. It's their lived experience. They can write a book about it. And so we're not fooling them with this whole thing. Go vote and then things change. No, let me level with you, bro. You're going to vote and we're going to hopefully get some people in office that we can then go meet with. Who going to show up for, for a conversation in the barbershop about what kind of local public policy they're going to introduce that's going to make it better for us. So less dream selling. We ought to dream and we ought to reimagine, but we also have to level with people and start to get in real conversation about revolutionary change. I'm not... Don't don't paint me as some crazy. I just want greater liberation for all of us. And that is going to be that that can only be achieved with the level of honesty and truth telling that brothers are now increasingly demanding and sisters have been demanding. But sisters are wise enough to know that we got to build the boat and row that bitch at the same time. Now, all of us got to get hip to the fact that we are building and rowing as we build. It's when back I to you, tell dude. you the doors of the church are now open, man, child, I ain't got nothing free. else to say. We about to end the show on that one. I want y'all to clip man. that because people, Can we you know, take up an offering first. You know, I think that I think that people have seen Angela and will see, and I'm so blessed to have both of you guys. You, you guys are friends beyond the greatest measure, anything you can possibly imagine. But Angela, we we see the talent of Andrew Gillum day in and day out. The man that Andrew is, the friend that he is, and. Um, I think that even as someone who is in politics, who strives to be a better public servant, I always talk to people about the only person I know who is way more talented than I am and somebody I ascribe to be is Andrew Gillum. And, and, Come and on, the, man. Get out of here. That, that First was, of all, the fact that it was the only, it's just and you one. Know my, my, yeah, because you know my my humility. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to, I need to get a little bit more Nebuchadnezzar. Of it. <laughs> it's on some Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> you can read about Nebuchadnezzar. See that shit? You know how somebody, you know how somebody cracked the Bible and no one, she on her, she on her two no, Corinthians. No, it's just there's nobody on, else <laughs> in the Bible who you're more like than Nebuchadnezzar. You're I, not David. You're not on your job. You're not like Jesus, at least not right now. Simon Peter, you don't really do. Judas, maybe, but that was hey, fine. Friend, hey, hey, friend. Do you see hey, this? Friend. I, I, hey, and I friend. know how, I do know, like everybody don't know how much this hurts right now, but I understand. Hey, no, 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 no. Hey, hey. But you weren't very <laughs> humble in your compliment to Andrew. That's just fact. He and Angela, iron sharpens iron. We've all known each other a very, very long yeah. time. And I God think that willing, you're... we're all going to be in this game. And whether that's in holding office, which I don't aspire to in this moment, or whether that means bringing the pressure that's going to be required to, as they say, pressure bur burst pipes. Pressure Andrew. burst pipes. So I we got to bring the pressure that then, you know, that, that starts also, to burst some things and unlocks the kind of revolution. It, makes, dim it makes diamonds too, but Guys, that too. I have that to too. say this one thing. Andrew, my Gillum for governor sign is still up. And oh, just, Lord. Come I'm on, just friend. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm holding on to hope because everybody on this planet is human. And I don't know anybody that brings it like that. I'm just like, please tell the people the truth, B. Aren't you willing to go on a, 
a true more truth telling, less dream selling tour. Oh, like, that yeah, is you know, whole my ass dude, word. my dude, know that he he already he said uh, tonight we're gonna clip that, we're gonna play that again, and we gonna come we gonna, on, y'all. That's, and mean, we go, we gonna link, we gonna link Quaint Media, and we gonna tell them about real hey, talk guys, with Andrew Gillum. It was so <laughs> good. Hey, hey, B, you and me are on East Coast time. It's midnight. Angela, it's only nine o'clock for you. Love y'all. I got a show tomorrow morning, man. Man, Speaking of, follow me on Quake. Anyway, oh, yes, find him on Quake too. No, no, no. I mean, follow all of us. I was just saying that it's important to do that. And I want this tour, even if it's a virtual one because of COVID and Donald Trump's horrible response to it. For it to happen, you guys should go to talk to black men about this. It's so important. Oh yeah, we yeah. I, I'm in uh, I'm in Florida next week. I'm in Tampa yeah. and uh, what's close Truth to Tampa, Sarasota. And I'm I'm I going. Hey, I'm still I'm still Andrew Gillum's lines because you know I know, bro. Sure hey, this attribution. Hey, oh, this is long term work, y'all. This is no, long term no, no, work. But, we're but, we, but we in it, and we are all children of the movement. And even more importantly, we're clear eyed. We are all about more truth telling less dream selling because we want our people to be free and one of the things that andrew gillum bakari sellers and angela rye all agree on we don't agree on everything but we do agree on the fact that we can't be free until we all are free so this has been another episode of the bakari sellers podcast with my two friends i love and adore do me a favor tonight when you go home love kiss your kids your loved ones tell them you love them life is short also encourage and make sure that everybody that you talk to is registered to vote and has vote. Come up with a plan. Then November 3rd, do everything you possibly can, whether or not you're a poll worker or taking donuts to poll workers or taking people to the polls. You have to vote like our life depends on it because it truly does. Once again, this has been another live episode of the Bakari Shellis Podcast. Shout out to everybody at The Ringer. Shout out to Andrew Gillum yeah. and Quake Media. Shout out to On One with Angela Rye. Hanging out with Snoop Dogg. Shout out to these new sweatshirts we got. Kamala Harris, we love you. We adore you. Joe Biden, good work tonight. We will see you soon. Love you all. Oh, Thanks. We out. Let me show mine. Hold on. I got to show mine. Show the back. Show the back. There it is. There it is. And by the way, these sweatshirts were bought to us by Angela Rye. Thank you, sister, for the overnight. Shout out to Jerry Lorenzo, your FAMU alum, fellow alum. Jerry Lorenzo, thank you. Over a hundred dollars to ship it. Shout out to UPS for getting it to us on time. All right, I'm sitting in the background. I'm trying I'm to end the show, ground. Andrew. I'm trying to end the show. <laughs> All right, I'm out. I'm out. We done. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>